leaders. I'm your coach, Adam. Here to have an honest talk about leadership, the obstacles you might face, and how to refine your leadership skills to help you become the leader I know you are. So let's grab a drink, sit back, relax, and have a chat. Welcome to the next episode. Today, we're going to be talking about making the right choice or the right decision and beginning to look at the world less from a black and white standpoint and more from the standpoint of the gray. So to bring it back to the first point, making the right decision. This is a issue that many leaders struggle with. When I sit down with them, it is on the top priority. There's is first and foremost that fear of what happens if I make the wrong choice? What happens if I screw up? There's so much responsibility. There's so much pressure on me to make that right choice. I, I just don't know what to do. And they tend to be very paralyzed by it, unable to move forward, unable to move backwards. The unfortunate thing that many of them haven't figured out is there's no such thing as the right choice. There's no such thing as the right decision. And that's what makes it very hard, especially as a leadership coach, is sometimes they'll be looking to me for advice. They'll say, you know, what do you think I should do in this decision or at this point in time to help conquer this problem? And the answer that I always respond is, I'm not too sure. What do you think you should do? And the answer for that is because what choice might be right for you might be the wrong choice for somebody else. So I can make suggestions on what what avenue you should go down, but ultimately you have to be the one to make the correct choice for yourself. Because again, right or wrong, good or bad, these are very they tend to be very subjective. And when it especially comes to making the right choice or making the right decision, it's not about there's no such thing as the right decision. There's only the right decisions for yourself or for the company that you work with or the people that you follow or lead, I should say. So to help illustrate this is car buying. In 2022, there are many, 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 many right choices. It really depends on you, your your income situation, your situation with your current car, uh, and a whole host of other factors. So Right now, I'm looking at buying a car. Looking at the market, I was told very poignantly by a friend and by an automotive dealer, they said, Adam, if you're looking to buy a car, don't. This is the worst time to buy a car. Used markup on used cars is 45%. On a brand new car at the dealership, they're marking it up about 10 to 15% above what it's supposed to be. And it's not going to be coming down anytime soon. And so I said to them, yep, thank you so much for your advice. Unfortunately, I don't know if my car is going to make it through the winter. They said, fair enough. So the first choice that I was told to do, which was essentially, don't buy a car. I can't choose. That is not the right choice for me. That's not in the cards, which means if that's not the right choice for me, what is the right choice for me? So I had to start taking a look. And I went to so many different dealers. I was looking at used cars. I looked at new cars. And I came to a startling conclusion. 
that if I spent my money on a used car, I'd be wasting my money. An example of this is I pull up to a dealership, I start chit-chatting with this guy, and I see this kind of this cute little car on the website. I was like, hey, that's kind of interesting. I should take a look at that. The dealer pulls it up. He uh, drives it up to the front, and I take one look at it. I said, no, absolutely not. This car, they were asking $15,000 for. On inspection, the passenger side door and the passenger side rear door was clearly smashed in. It looked like the previous owner had essentially uh, run the car down a street lamp. The paint was scratched up. There was dents in the car doors. I noticed that there is rust on the side. I asked him, I was like, so how many kilometers is on this car? And he said, over 100,000. I said, oh my God, 100,000 kilometers? Visible rust? Visible paint damage? Visible denting? And he's like, yep. And I'm like, and you want $15,000 for this? He said, yep. I was like, are you willing to negotiate? And they said, oh no, if you're not willing to buy this car, uh, somebody else will buy it. And I sat there and I went, oh my God, what world am I living in? And the sad truth of the matter was that this car was not worth $15,000. This car was actually worth closer to $5,000, if maybe 6000 at best. But it just blew my mind that they were asking for fifteen. I graciously thanked the salesman. I said, thank you so much for your time. Unfortunately, I have other places to be. And I dipped very fast. And then I started looking at strictly the new, new cars because I had looked at the used cars and I realized they were all overpriced, way too overpriced. And I realized used cars, that's not the right choice for me. So I started looking at new cars and I started taking a look at the markup on the used cars. And I realized that the new cars on the lots, they were getting them shipped in for about $23,000, but they were marking them up to $30,000. I went, oh my God, these are quite the steep markups. And then I started chatting with more dealers. I started talking to the mechanics. I started looking online. And it comes up that if I factory order from directly from the factory, I can get the exact same car that they're asking $30,000 for, for $27,000. That's a lot of money in regards with that difference. And I sat down and I had to really think about this. And it just made financial sense just to order a brand new car directly from the factory. I didn't have a, I still had a car and it wasn't broken down. I wasn't in a pinch. I could wait. And so the right choice for myself was to buy a brand new car directly from the factory. And that was the right choice for me. But for somebody else, that is not the right choice. If I was an individual that didn't have money to be able to put a down payment to keep uh, or to really afford a brand new car, like I, I just couldn't afford it. And so I'd be looking at getting a used car. And so if the new car is not the right answer, and buying from the factory isn't the right answer, then what is the right answer for that person? And then we're getting into splitting of hairs of, well, what is the right answer? What is the correct choice? What is the correct decision? And to go back to it, 
there is no correct choice. There's no correct decision. There's only the correct decision or correct choice for yourself. And to kind of expand upon that, there's multiple correct choices. There's multiple correct decisions. And what I mean by that is when I sit down with my clients and we're really trying to solve a problem in regards with where they should go, uh, especially with careers. Careers is always a big, interesting problem that I like to help solve uh, with my clients. And the question is, well, I don't like my career and this I want something new. So where do I go? Well, we sit down and we start talking about well, what is what are your attributes? What are what do you like to do? What are your strengths? What are things that you really don't aren't interested in doing? And through that, we start uncovering that there's multiple jobs that would suit them, multiple jobs that they find interesting, and none of them are the right answer. None of them you could point to them and say, "Yep, you should be a, a bank teller. That is your calling. Uh, that is the job for you." Instead, you look at them and you say, "You know." Yeah, you could be a psychologist, you could be a psychiatrist, you could be a counselor, you could be a social worker, you could be a storyteller, you could be a life coach. These are all correct answers for you. Now the job is to narrow down what is the right answer, right decision. And the problem that many leaders have is they don't like that. They don't like that there's no one right choice or right decision. But every decision that is being made uh, ultimately has pros and cons to that decision. And this is where we're going to start getting into that gray area. And so an example of this, and let's throw out a really wild example, is you are ultimately trying to solve corruption on Elderon. You know, it's getting out of control. You've been charged by the emperor to solve this issue and you have the brilliant idea you know you've been hearing through the grapevine that they have this death star just like floating out a couple sectors away and there's this like lord vader guy you're kind of in cool with you could just give him a ring pick tell him hey i got this problem with corruption can you like just zip on over here take your uh laser moon just shoot alderaan It's pretty good. It's a pretty good idea. You go ahead and do it. You call the Lord Vader up. He's like, hey, man, I got a problem with this uh, corruption. Just fly over here. Give it a good shot. Uh, I'll pay you back. I promise. Lord Vader's like, yeah, of course, man. Anything for you. They shoot over to Alderaan. They shoot it. Explodes. Congratulations. You have just solved corruption on Alderaan. In fact, you've solved uh, world hunger. You've solved solved poverty. You've solved so many social issues. These are the pros. These are the amazing things. You've set out exactly what you were meant to do. Unfortunately, the cons being is that you've now killed all the population of your planet. And I mean, you can't have corruption if there are no people to fuel the corruption. So again, pros, cons. And to kind of expand on that further, if you didn't decide, you know, just shoot your death laser moon directly at the planet to explode it, and you think to yourself, well, I could just create a secret police, and their job is to start looking at the files of all your politicians, looking for corruption, 
And ultimately, if they are being corrupted, bring them to justice and bada bing, bada boom, we're, we're eliminating corruption. There's pros to this. Again, you know, it could be swift. This could be a swift, efficient way to get rid of that corruption. You notice that there, there's an corrupt official. You send the police force. You take them. You pull them out. You might send them straight to court or send them straight to jail. Big pro. Con, potentially, is what happens if this police force becomes corrupted or swayed to do not so good things as been known in the past with many, many, many secret police. Is there pros? Yes. Are there cons? Yes. And again, there's no right answer to these questions. There's just, yeah, that that is definitely the wrong answer. You know, we could take our laser moon and shoot and blow up the planet, killing everybody. Yeah, that's definitely an answer, but it's the wrong answer. And then there are the answers that you're like, yeah, that one's probably more right. Like paying your politician a reasonable wage so then they're not swayed by other corporations to uh, fund and sway them to corruption. That's also probably right, but it's not the right answer. So again, we're getting into the whole there there's more than one answer to solving your problem and to reiterate this makes a lot of leaders uncomfortable because they just they come with a follower mindset they come into a leadership role thinking to themselves i want to be told what to do i want to be guided by the nose and shown that this is the correct answer but that's just not what it's like to be in a leadership role the leadership role, you get placed in front of all the right answers, and you have to figure out which one is the right answer for you. <laughs> this is actually kind of very much reminding me of a amusing little story about a Prego, the pasta sauce in the 1980s. Prego, which was owned by Campbell Soup Company, hired a gentleman named Moskowitz. He had a PhD from Harvard, and they said to him, we would like you to take your education, take all your skills as a researcher, go out there and find out what is the perfect pasta sauce. This was going to make Campbell's soup filthy rich. If they could crack the code and make the perfect pasta sauce, they could make one sauce that everybody would love. So, Moskowitz went out. He did his research. He asked surveys. He did studies. He asked Campbell's Soup to make multiple different pasta sauces and serve them up to his clients. And he started finding something very interesting. He found that some clients wanted their pasta sauces to be thick. Some of them wanted them to be runny. Some of them wanted them to be chunky. Some of them wanted them to have nothing in them at all except just pure tomato. No spices, no nothing. And after collecting all this data, he sat back and realized that there was no such thing as the perfect pasta sauce. There was only perfect pasta sauces. And based on his findings, Campbell's Soup makes a battery 
of different sauces. Because again, there's no such thing as the perfect pasta sauce. Only pasta sauce is. And so when you look at a leader, your job is not to find the perfect decision. Because there is no perfect decision. There's only the perfect decisions. And to expand on that further, there's only the perfect decisions for yourself and for the group that you're with. And sometimes that those two things, the perfect decision for yourself and the perfect decision for your group, are at odds with each other. And that's when things start becoming very tricky because as a leader, a true leader should always put the decisions or the best interest of the group that is following them ahead of his own decisions or his own personal gain. Because at the end of the day, the people that are following you, they are following you and putting their trust in you because you have promised to take care of them. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a future podcast about why employees leave and what roles and responsibilities do you have in a a corporate or a job position management style to your employees. So now that we know that your perfect decisions should really be lining up more with what's in the best interest for the people that follow you and that they should always, there's no real one perfect decision in all of this. Then the question then becomes, well, how do you uncover these perfect decisions? How do you start branching out that tree and looking at which one to choose? And there is actually a myriad of ways to look at a problem and come up with those those decisions. One of the ways, and this one has been this one has been essentially the model for many of our government systems is the wisdom in the group. This is what democracy is run off of. It is the idea that the group, for better or for worse, knows best. And so as a leader, how do you harness this under, this idea that there's wisdom in the group? Well, you sit down and you ask for everybody's opinion in a very non-judgmental way. Even if it's a stupid opinion, even if it's a far out there opinion, doesn't matter. You are asking for opinions. You are asking for essentially to build a consensus and you listen to everybody and you get a sizable amount of people together when you ask for their opinions, not just one or two, but three, four, five, six. I'd probably go closer to about uh, eight or nine. And you listen to each and every single person's point and how they think we should conquer the problem. Then what you're going to do is you're going to look at which one sounds the best out of all of them, and don't be afraid to pick pieces from other people's suggestions and help formulate the best understanding or idea. Because what happens is when you start asking for consensus and you start really tackling this problem, you're going to find that what somebody said at the very beginning doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but somebody's going to say something else, and that makes a little bit more sense. But that first comment that made that they made, you're like, hey, I can take a piece from that comment and put it with this comment. And now all of a sudden, I have a much bigger or better working plan. So you can do a consensus of the group. The second way that you can kind of help 
branch out and do these, uh, looking at these perfect decisions is you could hire a coach to sit down with you and really ask the questions that are needed to be asked to help you come to the right consensus or conclusion. As a coach, I often sit down with many leaders and ask them, why does this decision matter? What is so important with this decision? What are the pros and cons of each of these outcomes? Are these the only outcomes? Really help expand out uh, the leader's thinking and help them kind of really grasp the fullness of or the complexity of this problem that they're really trying to solve. And through coaching, we will arrive at the right answer for them. Another way that you can kind of fill out this problem is you could do a mind map to kind of help start branching out and seeing the different possibilities. You could do a brainstorming session with uh, colleagues or, for example, your mentor, if you have a mentor. If you've been curating that social circle quite well, you can also go to the people that you trust, uh, confidants or uh, individuals that you look up to that you can seek counsel from. So these are all ways to kind of help start starting to see the different branches of, you know, what is the perfect decision for yourself. Now, something to start really thinking about, and we touched on this a little bit already, is looking at the grades of these decisions. Any choice or decision that is thrown out there, especially if you're going to do a a decision by group consensus, you have to look at the pros and cons because every decision is going to have a pro and con. A.K. Alderaan. Again, big pro. You solved corruption. Big con. You essentially destroyed your planet, killed all your people, and now you don't have a, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Tax revenue or tax base coming in. That's a big problem. But on hearing that, there could be something that you can work with with an idea of removing a portion of the population to kind of eliminate corruption. And you're going to have to work with that idea, of course, obviously, but there's something there. So it's really looking at the pros and cons of each situation, because again, there's no clear cut answer. And oftentimes when people ask me, you know, what should I do in this situation? I can make suggestions with the firm asterisks of, I unfortunately cannot tell you what exactly to do because I am not in that situation and I don't know really what's going on. The only person who can make truly make that decision is you. So let's move a little bit more firmly into talking about viewing the world through that gray lens. Something that often trips up many, many, many uh, leaders is they view they view life as black and white. An employee is a good employee or they're a bad employee. That's simply not true. An employee is just an employee or a follower is a good follower or a follower is a bad follower. Again, these these aren't true. They're just people. They have good qualities to them and they have bad qualities to them. Your job is to look at really the gray of it. Look to stop looking at people them in this black and white term and start looking at them as just a person. And it's the same thing with social issues. 
many people sit at, sit on one side of the fence or the other side of the fence and they say, you know what, I believe A and I think B is wrong. And the truth of the matter is, is that A has some merits and B has some merits. B also has cons to it and A has cons to it. These things, they have pros and cons to them. They're not black and white. And so one thing that kind of helps shift people's viewpoints of um, from this black and white setting into more of this gray setting is to pick a topic to debate with somebody else, but to arbitrarily decide who picks what. An example of this would be gun control, in favor of gun control or out of favor with gun control. And you, my dear listener, probably have your opinions on it, which is awesome. Take it, If you were to argue this with somebody, you take a coin, flip the coin, and whatever position you get, you now have to look at the pros and cons, and you now have to defend that position because you're arguing for this position. It's been a, a well-tested, proven way to help get people unstuck from this mindset of everything is all good or it's all bad. And especially, it's absolutely phenomenal if you're arguing a position that you don't believe in. Uh, For example, I knew a gentleman that he was tasked with arguing about abortions. And uh, he was arguing uh, against abortions. He was arguing uh, pro-life, as it were. He did not believe this, but this is the side that he was arbitrarily chosen for. And so he went away, he did his research on the subject, he learned far more about the subject than he would have if he had just stayed in his closed-off bubble, and he ended up debating it. Uh, he, I'm not too sure the outcome, actually, of the debate, but I remember chit-chatting with him, and he said, it was so interesting to look at the problem from a different point of view, to be able to see the pros of pro-life and the cons of pro-life and to see that life wasn't it wasn't actually as black and white as people would have you believe because they both have merits both of them have very strong merits because that's just life life is not black and white and to bring this back into very much a leadership perspective again it's it's a very important to take that time to look at pros and cons of any decision you make as well as look at employees. And if you ever find yourself sitting there going, you know what, this person, they're just a bad, bad employee. That's not true at all. It's time to take a step back and start really thinking about, well, why do I think that way? What is making me, what is causing me to think that way? And then start really expanding out from there. Because again, there's no such thing as really good or bad employees or workers. There's just really your perception on it. And that's what I mean by the gray. And I know some absolutely fabulous employees that have worked at exceedingly oppressive work environments that have been labeled troubled employees, that have been labeled as disgruntled. They've, uh, any name you really want to kind of talk about about just being a bad employee and it's not because they're a bad employee it's because the work environment is absolute dog shit uh pardon my french on that one 
And it's actually a huge management issue. And I know that same employee that is labeled as this terrible, awful employee and hasn't been flagged, has, will never ever be flagged for a management role to move up. I know those employees that have moved to a better job, to a better work environment, and they thrive in it and they actually move into management roles because that's what they were. They were always management material. They just never got the opportunity to thrive in it. And But if you're sitting in the black and white aspect of things, you would look at that person and you label them as a bad employee and they're just a bad employee. But again, they're not. The truth is somewhere in between the black and white and sitting in the gray. So that's kind of how to get you started thinking about really being comfortable in that gray area and starting to look at the world less as that black and white view. So to wrap up, we talked about making the perfect decision, how there's no such thing as the perfect decision. And we also discussed starting to look at the world as much more gray than you probably thought it was. Thank you so much for joining me and I shall see you at the next episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, give it a like, and share it with a friend. And if you're ready to take the next leap and improve your leadership skills, head over to www.seedingthelead.com and book your free coaching session today. Thank you.